This is On The Radar with me, your host, Radar, coming at you with episode number 27. And as always, we'll talk about local, national sports, and pop culture. And in in, uh, in the world, as everything's been going on with COVID-19 and sports leagues, haven't had things going on. And, you know, we've had virtual drafts in the WNBA and the NFL draft. And there's been video game tournaments and a horse tournament. There really And then Michael Jordan's Last Dance documentary. There really hasn't been that much sports. There have been news in around the world in pop culture and entertainment and sports during this COVID-19. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is going to make a TV show about backyard wrestling on HBO. The NHL is going to join basketball and baseball and football with a gaming tournament. Basketball, they, they, had, it all on ESP, they had it all over ESPN. Baseball shows some highlights on MLB Network. The UFC says they're going to start doing events on the 9th, 13th, 16th of May. And, uh, and the sad news here. Actor Dimitri Jacento died at 52 from Sons of Anarchy. Uh, Sebastian Telfair lost his mother and his brother to COVID-19. So again, there's there. The Andrew Barbosa and his wife both had COVID-19. But the good news is they they have they've got they've improved and they've co- recovered from it. That Dwayne Wade now because of doing the Last Dance and they're rumored to do a Kobe Bryant documentary of his last year playing basketball. Dwayne Wade's like I want to make a I want to produce a a documentary on the Redeem Team. Because it's so important that everybody's got to make documentaries right now. And now, interesting, one of the NBA prospects, you know, that could that, that entered the draft, Jashaam Hightower, he was charged with murder. So that's another interesting thing, having an NBA draft prospect charged with murder. Now, the NBA themselves has said, depending on what state you're in, if they've lifted the stay-at-home order, if there's less restrictions, the sites that play, the states that have that, the, those players can go and play. Now, somebody says that's unfair. Because some states like New York won't let people play, and other states, you know, they can go. And it's funny because if the NBA is smart, they'll just do the playoffs. But if they just do the playoffs, then teams like the Atlanta Hawks are not in the playoffs. Then they don't have to go and practice and do all that stuff. And a team like Brooklyn gets affected because that's a hot spot area, and it, it, it's a little bit unfair there. But the NBA should just be like, until every team can practice and facilitate and use their practice facility, then you gotta wait. Because some they got to start doing something, practicing, doing whatever, because them and hockey just want to get back to doing the playoffs. Because baseball, that's a whole season. WNBA, that's a whole season. Now the that the uh, now the interesting thing in basketball as well is the balls, the ball sons, all three have side decided with Rock Nation, which is Jay Z's uh, agency for you know sports clients and you know signing people, being an agency. But the thing is, it's interesting because Big Baller brand was their brand and their shoes, and that's all they—that's their life. They're basically saying we're going to sign on with somebody else. That's interesting. And the Bulls—they hired Mark Eversley as their GM. He's the first black GM in Bulls history. The first Toronto-based GM. He worked for the Raptors in Philadelphia 76er. So now the Bulls have their front office. They got their assistant GM. They got our tourists as the as the in charge of the operations. And now they have Mark Eversley. The hope that three of them will make this decision when practice facilities are open to say, you know what? It's time to say that once the NBA postseason's over with and they get it in, goodbye Jim Boylan. Now the Blackhawks, they fired John McDonough. This is after they've already let go of Joe Quenville and Dave Talon, the reason why the Blackhawks were good. Now McDonough, he spent many years with the Cubs, and they really say how much does he really do with the Blackhawks. Hopefully this is a sign of things to come and... Him being fired also means the end of, of Scott, uh, Stan Bowman because Stan Bowman took credit for Dave Talon's core and drafting and team. And if you see, ever since Dave Talon left, 
that most of the core of that team has either retired or been let go, and it's just not the same team. So hopefully the Blackhawks will now fire Stan Bowman, and the Blackhawks will fire, and the Bulls, I mean, will fire Jim Boylan, and then both those teams can start where they're supposed to be. Because Blackhawks are starting off with a nice new young coach. Now, if you do fire the GM and Bowman, the question will be, will the new GM want a, a new coach, or they will just let this guy develop with this Hawks team because he worked in the minor leagues. Now, in football news, Patriots, they uh, they picked up Marquise Lee as a receiver because they don't have enough receivers on their team. Washington signed Trey Burton after the Bears cut him. And New Orleans and New Orleans went out and signed, re-signed Taysom Hill to a two-year deal. Everybody, the Saints love him. They think he's a quarterback, but he's not. If he was a quarterback, he wouldn't be playing on special teams or on offense. They brought him and they brought Jameis Winston in to play the Teddy Bridgewater role. Now, hopefully, if you're the agent of uh, Jameis Winston, you hope that Drew Brees misses some games here and there and you get to play for a couple of games and do really well for the Saints and then get a huge deal like Teddy Bridgewater did. That's interesting. Now, this year in the NFL draft, it's the first time in five years that nobody made a trade in the first 10 picks. There were trades in the mid to late first round, but not that. It's also only, there's an interesting fact, only 14 number one picks have been in the Hall of Fame. So it doesn't necessarily mean if you draft a number one overall, you're going to get a Hall of Famer. There were 15 SEC players drafted in the first round. That's interesting. It's also the first time Andy Reid took a running back, because really the Chiefs, even though their defense isn't that great, with a 32 pick in the, the last pick in the first round, you really can't take an impact defensive player. So might as well take a running back that could be in your rotation. Now, Laramie Tunsil, he agreed to an extension with the Texans, so it makes it worthwhile the Texans trading first-round picks to the Dolphins so they can get an offensive lineman. Four Niners traded traded for Trent Williams. He finally got able to get rid of Washington. He, he and the previous GM, they've been fighting, and he wanted to leave saying a cancerous thing on his head and all these other things. He finally got traded, and the 49ers gave up a fifth from this year and a third. It's not that bad. Matt Breida, the 49ers traded him to Miami, so Miami's got him and Jordan Howard, so that's an interesting combination. And the Eagles, they draft, they traded for Marquise Goodwin. So if Deshaun Jackson's healthy, Alshon Jeffrey's healthy, and you have Marquise Goodwin, along with their 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 first their uh, draft picks, a wide receiver, the Eagles improved, and the one thing that they really were bad at last year was wide receiver. That's a good idea. Now, another another football story is that the uh, Chiefs' Brashard Breeland was arrested for drug possession, alcohol, and bottles just sitting arrest. So that's going to be interesting to see where that goes if he gets arrested. And they also released Dustin Colquitt, who's been their like, puncher for almost a decade plus, who made two pro balls. He was on the uh, Super Bowl team. The Colquitts, he and his brother and his cousin and his father have been punchers, so they're the family of punchers. That's interesting there. And Joe Staley announces retirement. That guy has been a great offensive uh, golf, uh, player for the 49ers, so it's interesting. But he also is in his mid-30s, so it's not like the Cowboys' Frederick who dra- retired early. Patriots let go their fullback, James Devlin, who used to play in the UFL and the AFL. You know, he, he decided he's going to be done, James Devlin, because this the Patriots lose so, they've lost so many veterans on that team that, that you're saying, wow, their kicker, their quarterback, their tight end. You know, he said it was time to go. But it's interesting at 31 years old that he left because now the Patriots no longer have pretty much any veteran except for, like, on defense. Now, baseball, some baseball news. Unfortunately, Bart Johnson, former Sox pitcher for eight years from the 60s through 70s and was a scout for the Nationals and the Rays. 
he uh, also was a gold medal winner in 2000. He died from Parkinson's disease. Uh, Dick Hyde, a pitcher for Washington and Baltimore. He was there for six years in the big leagues. He uh, led the league in games finish. He passed away at 91. Stan Dukowski passed away at 80 years old, former Baltimore Oriole, who was like the guy that they portrayed in Bull Durham where he had no control and he threw 100 miles per hour. He passed away. Then you got Rich Hacker of the Expos, who was a coach on the Blue Jays and Cardinals, but won two World Series with the Blue Jays. He passed away at 72. So just loss of a couple of baseball players as well. And as we stated earlier, Trey Mancini had surgery to remove a tumor from him. Well, what they found out is that he actually has stage 3 colon cancer, and he's going to do six months of chemo. So if the season does start, the Orioles' best player won't be able to play. Speedy recovery to him, and hopefully he can beat cancer because he's one of the best players in baseball and one of my favorite baseball players. So I really hope everything goes well for him. And with this COVID-19, the Hall of Fame has postponed their uh, Hall of Fame and, you know, induction like the NBA has done. So there's that. And then if the season starts, they're going to talk about realignment because they don't want all this travel of having six divisions. Now they're going to make an Easter division where the Orioles and the Blue Jays and the Pirates and the Marlins are going to be in it. And guess what? All of those teams sting. So if you're a team like Nationals who just won the World Series, the Rays and Yankees who are playoff teams, and the Red Sox, Phillies, and Mets who are close to playoffs, you're going to beat up on the – you're going to be lucky that in your division you're going to have four bottom feeder teams. It's a little bit unfair there. The West, if you're a team like the Dodgers and the Astros, who are two of the best teams in all of baseball – your only real competition is going to be the Diamondbacks, who finished second place last year in the A's, who made the wild card, because the Angels, no offense, they're not that great. The Rangers are average. The Rockies were horrible last year. The Padres were horrible last year. And the Mariners were horrible last year, so were the Giants. So if the Rangers, Giants, and Diamondbacks are below average, and the A's are a wild card team, then the, the Astros and Dodgers are lucky enough that they get to face the last place Seattle team, the crappy Padres and Rockies. Giants, Rangers, and they're just going to beat up on them and the Angels. So the Dodgers and Astros luck out that they're a division with a lot of bad teams. Then if you're a White Sox fan like myself, I was like, okay, the Sox only a really good competition, and their division is the Indians because the Twins are going to win the division, and maybe they got to face the Rays and the A's and the Red Sox for a wild card spot. But when this quote-unquote central division that's going to have the Braves, we're not really central. They're in the East Coast. Facing against Milwaukee and St. Louis and the Cubs, all three of them are good teams that can make the playoffs and the Indians and the Twins. So Sox have to face four teams that were in their NL Central. There are two uh, three teams in the NL Central that are good, and two in their own. And the Braves were very good. The only bottom few to Sox in the Central Division that they would have would be the Reds, Royals, and Tigers, who are just not going anywhere. So it's only three bad teams, unlike the West, where there's only really two good teams, and the East, there's four good teams. So this not huge on this realignment, but it's essentially the Cubs are facing the, are going to be in the same division as the, the White Sox. That's a little bit interesting as well. And as, as I said, the football draft went pretty well. And the obvious was Joe Burrow went to the Bengals. The Washington has Dwayne Haskins, so they weren't going to just go again and draft the quarterback. So they got Chase Young, the best player, best defensive player. The Lions were rumored to trade the third pick, but they didn't. So they held on and drafted Jeff Okuda who some say he could have been taken later in the draft. The Giants took a boring offensive lineman instead of defensive player. Boring. The Panthers took a defensive player because they want to build their defense. 
and the Dolphins didn't have to trade up or do any weird wacky trades, and that all that quote unquote tanking paid off. They got Tua. He's injured. He's gonna spend a year behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's a good idea. The Chargers got themselves Justin Herbert. He may not be ready to start. And guess what? I remember a day where rookie quarterbacks didn't necessarily start. So it's not the end of the world if he doesn't start and that Justin Herbert has Tyrod Taylor, who's been a professional in multiple teams, that he could play this year or even next year until Herbert's ready. Chargers didn't have to trade up. The interesting thing, though, is the Raiders were the first team to take a wide receiver. He wasn't the number one guy on the board. And the Buccaneers said to themselves, you know, we're going to trade up and we're going to get ourselves a tackle because um, we need somebody to protect Tom Brady. And that was originally where the 49ers were. So I don't really like Tampa Bay. They traded up one spot to draft an offensive lineman when the 49ers eventually drafted a defensive player. It wasn't like they were going to take the defensive player you wanted. And the Broncos got Judy, so they they lucked out there. The Cowboys, even though they were looking for defense, they lost most of their key defensive players. They drafted CeeDee Lamb. He's a good wide receiver, but a lot of people said they need him. Then Miami traded up for a tackle when I don't when you know Pittsburgh didn't necessarily go ahead and take a uh, take themselves a tackle, but they traded out of the first round the Steelers for that with that pick. So you don't know what they would have necessarily done. Then the Raiders, who had the Bears pick, got themselves defensive player. Jaguars said to the Chargers, we really desperately want to take uh, a defensive player, even though we just took one. So they uh, they switched picks. The Eagles, as I said, they got themselves a, a, one of the better receivers in the, in the draft, along with getting these good ones, so they lucked out there. The Vikings said, we really want to replace Stephon Diggs, so sorry, Buffalo, we're going to switch with you. And they got one of the wide receivers. And the Buffalo didn't get out of the first round. Then, Chargers with that ch- Chargers traded with the uh, Patriots to get a first-round pick because the Chargers know the team is so deep they don't need all the draft picks. So the Patriots trade out of the first round, and the Chargers got themselves a linebacker that will play for them. Saints want to protect Drew Brees. But, yeah, the Chargers were like, we'd rather have two a quarterback and this, and this defensive player. And the Patriots like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll trade with you. We'll get a first round. The 49ers... Because I said they swapped picks with the uh, Vikings so that the Vikings could take so the Vi- so the Vikings could uh, take a player. No, no, sorry, the Vikings switched with with Buffalo and then the Chargers switched with the Patriots. The next the next thing was the the Four Niners because they had originally traded picks with the they traded picks with the Buccaneers. They had some flexibility that they went and traded picks to move up. And the the Vike and then the so they got themselves another a wide receiver as well. So to replace Marquis Goodwin, they drafted a receiver. And then boring, you know, Seahawks, Ravens got themselves defensive players. Miami traded uh, uh, with Green Bay with their slot, and they get themselves a third player in the first round because they had those picks, and they can wait on this guy at the end. The Vikings got a defensive player because they lost defensive players because they made that trade with a. With, with the 49ers, because so the, the 49ers really wanted that wide receiver, and the Vikings already got theirs. I wanted to mention the Chiefs got themselves that running back they wanted, and the Titans got themselves another offensive lineman. Ooh, that's very exciting. The thing about the first round was that Green Bay swapped picks with Miami, because Miami had already got the players they wanted the, in the beginning of the first round. They didn't really care where they were at the end of the, of the draft. 
that they went and got a Jordan Love. A lot of people thought would be a guy that goes to a team and he sits for a couple of years, but he'd be second or third round pick. He wouldn't be necessarily a first round pick. So that's what really uh, surprised people because they have Aaron Rodgers in a contract for a couple more years. He's still good enough and they haven't drafted a skilled player in like 15 years. And they finally did, but it was a quarterback. So that was more of the controversial thing that happened in the first round of the draft that they traded. That they traded. Uh, they traded up. It's not like when Aaron Rodgers was drafted and you had Brett Favre. They just drafted Rodgers where he fell. That's where the mistake is on this on the uh, on the Packers part because you want to you want you're trying to send a message that you care. You finally got Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback you wanted. You made some defensive improvements and offensive line improvements last year. And this year you drafted offensive linemen. And they have a good running back tandem. But you really haven't done anything that made you go, wow, we really care. Now the Colts got themselves a wide receiver to help out T.Y. Hilton second round. That that was good on their part. Now the Bears got a tight end because they really, really needed a tight end. The Colts also got themselves a running back. That will help them very much. And the other, another interesting thing, the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. And they said they're going to use him like Taysom Hill, running back, wide receiver, special team play, to get the most out of him, have him be the backup. And we all know that Carson Wentz could ever stay healthy. And the Eagles really value backup quarterbacks. So if Jalen Hurts plays a couple of games the next two years, like Garoppolo had presented, they can flip him and they get assets. That is... Uh, that that's an interesting decision by them, and then in the third round of the draft, the interesting things that happened were that that the um, yeah there really wasn't that much happening in the third round that jumps off the table. What it was was in the fourth round when the Colts took a quarterback. That the Colts, in the fourth round, they took a quarterback. Yeah, they took Jacob Eason. So now with Philip Rivers going to play one year, they got some weapons on the offense, and they continue to prove the team all around them because they learned their mistake with Andrew Luck. They don't want a bad offensive line and no skill player to, to do that. Now, that was the football draft. Now, in the world of pop culture and television shows, New Amsterdam, as I said, stated before, were not able to get a full 22, and they only filmed two episodes. So they decided they were only going to show one because of the whole contagion thing, even though, as I said, Bull on CBS did Anthrax, and, and a Canada Airs was done in Fox for The Resident. So basically what they did before the episode, Ryan Engel, Daniel Day Kim talked before the episode and said, before we show the season finale, we wanted to say how we appreciate all the people on the front line and because Daniel Day Kim was one of the famous people who contracted COVID-19. They didn't think it was appropriate from his character joining the show and what was going on. So what they did was, you know, Ramon before people passed away, what they did was is that that they basically took all the mashups of him being introduced to the scene and the show and then mashed it up together as the preamble before the show so you have any you know difference of what's going on so that's what it was and I was like okay you did the best you could but I still would have liked to have seen the episode and when it comes to other NBC shows Superstore was renewed for season six that's great but the other news was that America Ferrer the main character in the show who started off as somebody who'd been working this since she was a teenager that 
you know, had a kid when she was young, failed marriage, had another kid. That she, that the show starts with Ben Feldman joining the show and him working there, and the two of them eventually getting together and dating and living together. And she eventually becomes manager because Glenn is no longer manager and Dina only stays as the store assistant store manager. So what they decided to do was Superstore was bought out by some major comp- company. She interviewed for a job. She didn't think she would get it. She thought it was only because she's Hispanic. She got it. But the problem is the catch is it's in L.A. Now, here's the thing. It would be Now, they weren't able to film the final episode of this season, probably most likely due to COVID-19, because Superstore usually gets about 18 to 22. Every season, 18 was the beginning, 22. But everybody's been affected. They can't get their final episodes in. So it ended on a cliffhanger. So the next season will start off as the with the cliffhanger being resumed. But if I were them, if you're going to have America Ferrera leave the show and then Ben Feldman, who's moving with her to Los Angeles, the show really can't go on. No offense to Garrett, Glenn, Dina, and Cheyenne, and Sandra. You can't really continue the show without without the two main characters. It really wouldn't be funny then unless you introduce new characters. Then who becomes the manager when uh, Amy leaves? Dina doesn't want to do that, that sort of thing. So if I were NBC, if you're going to write it that the main actor leaves the show, Either she wants to leave the show. I don't know if it's because she wants to leave the show or they wrote her out. Maybe still get write her out or if Jonah, you know, is also joining her. It's a good way to end the show. The two main characters pick up and move themselves to Los Angeles and they move on. And the show ends. That's fine. I don't think you can continue the show without both of them. Maybe continue with one of them. It would just be stupid character development to finally, from season one to this season. Oh, they finally are together. Oh, let's just put a wrench into that plan and say never mind to that that's stupid now when it comes to fox as i said they had the series finale of empire this year as i said we talked about arrow the good place having their series finale supernaturals on hold i don't watch that program empire empire has been on the air for for a very long time and it also inspired a spinoff for for the uh for the show. Now, I had six seasons, 100 episodes, not bad. And it's filmed between Chicago and New York. So, basically, the Battelle guy, who's a tech guy, they worked with him and his money. And there's a woman named Giselle who's got blonde hair, light color eyes for a black woman. She uh, she was Eddie Barker's wife and gets her fingers into the thing and she got, they got to deal with her, which was Forrest Whitaker's wife in the show. They get rid of her in the final episode and their problem with the company they convince Andre, the oldest son, who I swear to God, he's been my favorite character most of the show, but I went back and forth between who's my favorite, Jamal, Hakeem, or Andre. Like, first, his wife being pushed down the stairs, losing, dying, and the kid dying from the fall. The His real wife in real life is the one that did it. They kill her character off, but that's another story. Then, he's uh, Felicia Richard's character, who plays the, the, Tay Diggs' mother, Hire somebody to drug him up, a social worker, where he's hallucinating that he's dating a female police officer and that all the drugs hurt his heart so he could die. Then, Lucius has an unborn son that he didn't know about from a white woman, and he causes problems, but eventually he, his heart is used as a heart transplant, and Andre's mental, you know, he's, you know, he's got, he's bipolar, he's got all these mental issues that, he, quote unquote, that son takes over and ruins his life with his new wife and child and stuff, and that takes, that's taken away from him. Yada, yada, yada. They keep screwing with him. They finally convince him to go on a mission in South America, Uruguay. He can still be there for whenever his, you know, wife and his kid is ready for him to be with his wife, to be with his kid, Walker. So they, they keep screwing him around. And so I decided, you know, 
I'm glad that they left it on a good note that he's staying, that he's right now properly medicated, not over-medicated, and he's good, that Akeem convinced him to stay. But it's always weird that Akeem had a baby with the real-life life of Andre, who is also married to Lucis in the show. Then he gets married and has a kid with Tiana, who I've never been a fan of, and the two of them. And she basically has to raise both of Hakeem's kids because he's out there doing whatever. It's weird. This season, Andre was in pretty much every episode. There was no Jamal because, you know, what happened with Smollett in real life. And Hakeem was not in many episodes this year. And if he was, it was barely here, barely there. The Him and this assistant woman, they still got, they got married to each other. Maya, things like that. You know, Tiana goes from one guy to another guy and all the other. And the point is that Elise Lucius has... Three grandchildren, because he lost one. That's interesting. Now, there's some weird 70s thing with Giselle and Cookie and her social workers. It's the woman who played Roger Murtaugh's wife in Lethal Weapon. She's a good actress. Nice to see her. You know, Lucia was going to go on tour with this woman, Yana, who he had a relationship he was in love with. But his first love was always going to be Cookie, no matter what. But Damon Cross is the father with the legal money. Try to kill them. Try to kill Cookie. Try to sleep with her. All these other things. And then... Andre's back to being religious, going to church. It's a good thing that really helped him. I think that will center him if the show ever has spinoffs, you know. And um, Damien was cool with it. But then at the end, this is the shocking thing. They always show the cars blowing up, people shooting people. They showed somebody in a coffin in the previous season. You're always thinking, oh my God, who's going to be? Who's going to die? Well, I didn't see this coming. Uh, he was saying to Yana, I'm not going to go on tour. Cookie's the woman I love, yada, yada, yada. And then he gave her a kiss and says, I always will love you, things like that. Damon Cross sees that. He can't control his anger, and he shoots. He goes to shoot Cook to, uh, he shoots Lucius, but it doesn't hit Lucius. It kills his daughter. That I didn't see coming. I didn't want to see that. I wanted her to go on the road, be the star she was, and have her get away from the toxicity of her father, and the toxicity of, the, of Lucius. But of course... She never got a chance to be sorry. She passed away, which is very sad to see that happen. And then Lucius says to himself, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take care of this on my own. He then uh, gives uh, Philly Street, this rapper who he screwed over, but they doesn't, you know, convince him he didn't, to give a note to Cookie, which was her sister before the movie premiere, and go, I'm sorry, but I got to do this on my own. I love you, yada, yada, yada. And he said he got to take care of it. And then, of course, the fact that he said he's going to have extra security for all the relatives and all the kids and yada, yada, yada. But no security is in his home. I feel like they should sell that home because all the bad guys know where they live and they keep attacking and they should get a new place. Like Cookie has her own place. Andre has his own place. Like all these things. Damon Cross gets in there and it's an epic fight with fists. You know, no guns, no anything. And then what Damon Cross doesn't realize is that Lucius, when he's trying to choke him out, sorry, spoilers, he takes his peg leg and he starts beating him down because it's not a peg leg. It's like a metal you know, like prosthetic leg for, you know, people lose their leg, and he beats the crap out of them, and we all think that's it, Lucius died, you know, with one epic battle, you know, had a, his relationship with his son, his two of his sons, Andre and Akeem are good, as he left things with Cookie great, and he died, but he's, he won, he, he survived, you know, Hakeem raps about the history of the, of the family and everything and their life before the movie plays, and they see Cookie and Lucius happy there, and Andre's decided to stay and it ended on a happy note. So, instead of somebody very important dying in the Kaufman, it was Lucius's son he didn't know about, who then was controlling Andre. He's officially gone. Damien Cross is dead. His daughter was the one who tragically got shot in the show. So did the 
his his illegitimate son's you know mother died. So nobody really important died. I would have liked if Lee Daniels would have just said, "Hey, can we film something for five minutes where Andre, I mean, where Andre and Akeem and Jamal are on stage together, or he's video skyping in with his with his reporter boyfriend who's HIV? Like, just have him like give a little ending, yada yada yada, that sort of thing." But there was nothing. It was only flashbacks to when the ch- they had the child who was playing him as a kid. All that stuff. So, just want to say goodbye to Empire. It's a very emotional six-year ride where, like, the stakes kept getting higher and higher every year, every every season. But it was basically like a melodrama, soap opera drama with music and rapping and love and all that other stuff. And it was pretty good. Six years is a pretty good 100 episodes, so I can't be that mad at it. I just thought that Fox, because it's so successful, they would just continue to continue and continue to go on and on and on, or even make spinoffs for each son. But, you know, either way. Now, the other thing is, I reviewed a show called Broke from CBS, and the thing about the show Broke is that it's a very similar idea. A low-income person automatically has to support a family who is rich and have all the money, or even if they're not low-income, they're middle-class, like Adam Pally's character. They have to support his parents in this show. It's Paula Pally from, you know... Pauly Perrette from NCIS, who, no offense, she's not the great at being comedic actress. I don't know if it's maybe because she's not really the lead in the show, even though she's supposed to be the lead. We're supposed to be her and her weird, you know, son with glasses, who's really smart, but a little out there. It's supposed to be about them. Then having her sister, which I haven't seen in years, who married to some rich Hispanic guy, and she's all different, acting different, and his assistant is being paid by the father, and he comes and helps them and stuff, and it's funny, the best character is Luis, the assistant, who basically is a punishment to her brother-in-law, his, he's been cut off from using the whole entire family's, you know, his, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, estate, like, you know, he was giving the father, giving him, like, a trust fund, but he, he misused it and spent a bunch of stuff, so he gets cut off, and that's why they got to move in with his sister-in-law. There's so many things are wrong about the show. The amount of years since they last saw the kid when he was a baby because he looks like he's 10, 11, 12, not 5 years old. The fact that if his father teaches him a lesson, why is he still paying the assistant to do all these things, drive around and help him? You know, why aren't they living with the assistant? They have to then make the assistant being gay, and that's why he likes working for... for, uh... Javier, you know, the spoiled guy, and that's why he loves them, because he accepted for who they were, and they were friends when they were kids, but that just adds more stories about his relationships with who he's dating, and really what happens is it takes away from the complexity of the show, because of what dumb things Javier and his wife Elizabeth, who, you know, plays Paula, Polly Perrette's sister, who hasn't been there in years, where the, they're, they're dumb antics, and, you know, and, and Javier trying to get him out of it, Basically disrupt the whole entire show, take away from Polly Perrette and what she's doing, you know, working many jobs, raising a kid by herself, that sort of thing. It takes away from it, and it's all about their hijinks and stupidity. Now, if the show was about a guy and his wife, and their their trust fund's taken away from them, and they have no other choice but to move in with, her si- with his sister-in-law, and they're the main characters, and the show's about that, that would be one thing. But the show's supposed to be about Polly Perrette and her life and having to deal with her sister and her brother-in-law and this assistant and a dog and all these things. But, of course, you know, they uh, that they haven't done that. So it basically takes away from it. The years don't line up. None of the characters have any redeeming quality except for the Javier, the assistant. But then they make him gay and they have to talk about that all the time. And then it makes no sense he's working. And, yeah. 
So NBC just did this with Indebted, and they've done this so many times where somebody in a horrible situation has to rely on somebody who's in a bad situation but at least is stable and they don't have money. So the fact that they've done the premise before, it takes away from the whole entire premise of the show by making it all about them. It's pretty stupid. I feel like CBS really missed the mark on this one, and at the end of the day, it should be can- it's probably going to be canceled. I don't know if it's going to get more than like 10 episodes. Sorry to Polly Perrette, you left NCIS, and this is what you do. You become the lead actress in a show where she, you're no longer, um, you're no longer, you know, um, you're no longer the main character in the show because that the uh, idea is that, you know, the show's about you and it's not about you. So I'm sorry, CBS, but this is a failed show. It's 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 worse. That Bobberts have a Shola. It's not. It's definitely nowhere on the par of any other shows that you have. So sorry, CBS, but this show is definitely a canceled show. Thanks for listening to On the Redder episode number 27. As we always talk about local and national sports, and we also talk about pop culture, like we just did. So say goodbye to the show Empire, and because it's ended, and say goodbye to Broke because that's being canceled. Thanks for listening to On the Radar, and remember. Get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. Go to YouTube on the radar. Go to my Twitter, Radar4428. Facebook page on the Radar Entertainment blog. Or on Blogger at Radar4428 to check out everything I'm doing for platforms on every platform. Thanks for listening to Radar, episode number 27. See you guys next time.